Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today in the new year of 2024. And I know our last episode we dropped was a retrospect of our favorite episodes from uh, 2023. Um, But today, our official first episode, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about uh, pastoral burnout or ministry burnout if you're not a pastor, but you serve a ministry. And I feel like it's just an important topic to discuss at the beginning of the year, because I know as we kind of start off our year, we try to, you know, we try to get the wind in our sails, like probably by the time we get to December, for some of us, that wind is going to be out of our sails and we're going to start feeling the burn. We're going to start feeling uh, defeated and everything else. So actually joining me today on this podcast is my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today, sir? Man, I'm more blessed than I deserve. Um, we're in the middle of a kitchen renovation and we're, we're close. We're almost to the finish line. And um, the guy's been here the last two or three days and Andy's put a ton of work in. I'll be so glad when that's done though. So if you have, if either of you have uh, <laughs> had any experience of renovations and contractors and stuff, it's, it's great to see the end result. However, it's, it, it's like dragging things across the finish line because there's always something else to fix or something else that needs added to the, the price tag or mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah. Um, and then I have three weeks of grad school left, so I'm pumped. I'm just, I'm there. Awesome. Awesome. And then also joining us today is Jordan Halstead. Jordan, what is going on, my friend? Nothing much. So excited about this new year uh, with our ministry and with uh, just our our family trying to figure things out. Uh, Things are going really, really well over here in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. (laughs) What what are you trying to figure out? Well, how to to run away from a tornado? Probably. (laughs) No, no, we, we, when we hear the, the sirens, we go outside. It was actually really funny. That was when I met all my neighbors for the first time. Uh, we had tornado sirens going off, and, like, the Ohio boy in me is like, what's a tornado look like? And I walked outside, and all my neighbors were, like, peeking out. I was like, all right, anybody want to kick off with a barbecue? And they were like, listen, don't tempt us. We'll, we'll do it. Um, no, some of the things that we're just trying to figure out at the moment – uh, this is an IYC year for us. So for my family, we have to figure out uh, who's going to watch my kid. Um, is my wife going with us? Things like that. So just trying to figure out. Um, IYC is our international youth convention. It's a Church of God thing. Um, I don't know who all listens to this uh, podcast and whatnot. But but for us, it's a big uh, convention in youth ministry where at least 1,000, 2,000. Um, I don't know what their number is uh, looking like for this one. But um, the last one, it was a little shy of 2,000 coming off of COVID and we're going to Florida. So we're, we're planning that out, trying to figure all that stuff out. And hopefully down this year, we'll, uh, we'll have another little one on the way. That's what we're trying for. So just lots of things trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you for our listeners in Uruguay who did not know what IYC was. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you get, you get three church, you get three church of God pastors on one podcast. And I think the three of us know what, IYC is, and yeah. we probably all attended one. So. But some people yeah. don't know what IYC. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm being funny. I'm being. Oh goodness. Well, so so one thing that my my boss always tells me is there's the curse of knowledge. Like sometimes you just need to overexplain something, and so that's why I was like, ah, I should probably just go ahead and say what that is, because <laughs> you want you want to make sure that people know, um, in case they don't, because you don't want them to be like, what on earth is he talking about? Yeah. Goodness gracious. All right. So uh, before we start talking about our main topic of burnout, stories gone wild. I know, Jordan, it's been a while since you've been on the show. So we'll let you go last so you can think of a story goes wild. Unless you have one right off the top of your head, you're like, hey, here we go. I don't think I have one. So I'll let (laughs) you guys go first. Okay. So, um, oh, my goodness. So it was, um, oh, goodness. I'll, I'll, I'll share one. So. Like I said, like I was telling uh, Jordan at the beginning of the show, like I'm here at the Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando, Florida, and I decided to volunteer this year because um, it was um, it was going to be cheaper, like significantly cheaper, like two thirds of the price is cut off the just the registration price. And plus, I get my food and my lodging covered. So um, so I'm very glad to to do that. Um, 
But there's just a lot of times where, you know, I think, you know, I think what makes it wild or maybe more weird is that as you get older, people think, oh, you know how to do everything. I've never rented a car from an airport before. <laughs> and just the thought. So so it's like, OK, because every time, you know, we either drive or or a lot of times if I flew, like I don't fly very often. And all the times I've flown, you know, it's like, oh, we flow here. And then I think like last time we've got a, a car rental, I think my wife and I was coming down for uh for like one of our anniversary things. And this was before we had kids and she got everything all set up. So I go and I'm like, okay, I'll rent a car. And I did this, I did that. Well, then they have this thing that said, hey, go ahead and check in early. So then that way, all you have to do is just go to the, um, just walk out to the car lot, just go to the attendee and then do all that. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then I'm so used to doing everything digitally now, Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever. I didn't bring my church card with me. I just like my physical card. So I'm walking and they're like, oh, like if to do it, you have to have the physical card. I'm thinking, oh, crap. What am I going to do now? Luckily, I can get reimbursed, but I'm just like, oh, well, duh, I didn't do that. So I have to use my personal card to do my rental card. But then they had this other thing. Where to, but to avoid it, I thought, well, hey, I know how I can avoid it. I could just go ahead and do this other thing where literally all I have to do is walk to the car, open up the door, get inside, start the car, and drive away. And I'm thinking, wait, that's a thing now? <laughs> I'm so confused about all this. And then, of course, they check all my information, my confirmation and everything at the gate before I actually drive off the lot. But I'm just like, oh, that's weird. Like I've never, so I'm sitting here, feel like I'm like 12 years old, not knowing what the heck I'm doing at the time. And I'm like in my forties, I'm like, how do I do this car rental thing? So I think that's my story gone wild. Nothing. It's just like, I just, sometimes I just felt like, man, I feel so stupid now because I don't know how to do this. Hey, hey, there's Alicia. Hello, Alicia. He's always, she's always bombing our recording sessions. No, mostly it's the cats. So. That too. All right, Micah, what about your store has gone wild? You've never rented a car? Wow. I've always driven everywhere, so I have no need to rent a car. Well, I, I was thinking, like, from the higher ed perspective, like, both, because I've have, I have worn more hats in both ministry and, and higher education, and higher ed, like, as admins, if you're, you know, booking travel for, you know, like, say I'm booking travel for the dean that I work for. I take care of his rental car. I take care of his plane tickets. I take care of any airfare, any, any sort of travel, food per diem, any of those things. Um, like right now I'm uh, one of our guys that I reference off, often on nerd talk, Chad, he uh, he's in Ireland right now doing study abroad recruiting. And so like we had to, get his plane ticket ahead of time. We had to get his rental car ahead of time. We had to make sure he had travel insurance and all those things. So he doesn't have to do it. I have to do it. So um, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, in reference to uh, stories gone wild, I thought, I think I texted you a couple of days ago and I've been thinking of stories and I've been, you know, how you have your document. And so I, I'll be doing whatever around the house or, you know, at work and, Oh, I think of this story. So I just email myself the story real quick. And so I was thinking about a couple of years ago, well, let's say about a decade ago now, um, in my first year of ministry at my first full-time church, um, I was the worshiping young adults pastor at the time. And uh, we were looking for a children's pastor. And so um, we had two prospects. One was, uh, you know, from pretty significant distance away and we didn't know that you know the salary was going to be you know enough for for somebody to move and it was more like a three-quarters position half position mm -hmm. you know they were gonna to have to be bivocational if they did in fact move and take that position so and then they had another application from a girl that i knew who in fact that i used to date and so it was the girl that i dated before i met my wife, Alicia, and this girl and I were friends. We had 
dated off and on for almost a year. We had a really good friendship. I knew her family and you know everything was good, right? So like, we were good friends. There was a lady who caught wind of it in the church who was kind of a control freak, especially in the mm. you know, in, in regards to the children's ministry. And so she caught wind that this girl and I used to date and proceeded to make a huge deal about it. So as a part oh. of her interview, as a part of her interview process, um, I used to have worship practice on Wednesday nights. And so they had to set up a meeting between this woman, the girl I used to date and myself and the pastor. And they set us down in a room, like side by side. Like we were like being questioned for a, like a, a criminal investigation. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, can you guys work together? Are you guys going to be professional? Are you guys, like, and I'm like, the pastor wasn't doing it. It was this woman more so than, than it was the pastor. The pastor thought it was ridiculous, but he was trying to appease this, this, this crazy woman's uh, thought. Um, and so we, we were like, yeah, we, we're friends. We've been friends. Um, and at the time, I think I had already started dating Alicia at that point. And so yeah. it was like, and my mother-in-law was our office manager. So like, it wasn't like we were like, I wasn't going to go sneak around the corner and take, you know, Lindsay out. Like I'm dating her daughter. Like how, Oh my God. Stupid. Do you think I am? You know, and as much as we talk about scandals and pastors, you know, that have fallen from grace and the mega church thing. And here on Scott seven's podcast, it's like, I never do anything like that. So I just thought about that the other day and, was like, how wild was it that I was, you know, 25, 26, I was Jordan's age, um, thinking, am I going to lose my job because I used to date a girl, but I thought that she would be a good fit for this job. She applied for it. I have no interest in her. We are friends. Everything's fine. But this woman got when that we used to date, and she made a big deal about it. So that's my story's going wild. It's 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 stuff like that. You know how I you know we talk a little bit about church scandals and and all that stuff. And sometimes you know I feel like sometimes it's usually like the pastors being dishonest and kind of covering up, or at least that's kind of like what we've been seeing. But I I understand why sometimes we get so caught up or stuff like that because even little stuff like that, where you're not doing anything wrong, where something was like a past thing that's not gonna have an effect anymore all of a sudden it becomes a big deal and it's like why is this even a big deal anymore like like it's that sort of thing that i just boggles my mind sometimes so oh well, the thing goodness. that blew my mind was that nobody else cared but this woman yeah and we we like i want to say better get my my math right because my wife's sitting in the other room she could probably hear me my <laughs> wife and i st- my wife and i started dating in 2014 Mm-hmm. We got married in 2015. This girl and I stopped dating at the beginning of 2013. So it had been well over a year. Yeah. That we were even in a in a romantic relationship. And we had moved on. And it's just like, it felt like she was very much like trying to rip scabs off. <laughs> and, you know, try to get in the middle of our business. And it wasn't like there was anything against me. It was more so that he was very territorial over the children's ministry area. And it wasn't, it had really had nothing to do with me. It's just that she wanted to sabotage this, this girl that I used to date's chances of becoming the children's pastor of the church. So it's just ridiculous oh, all man. the way around. Ridiculous. Jordan, yeah. did we stall enough to give you time to, to come up with a story? Oh, I got one. Yeah. I I've, I've got something. Um, So I'm a youth pastor in, in Oklahoma city and <laughs> Youth ministry is a different beast. Both of you guys have been in ministry. I mean, it's a ministry podcast. Um, so a lot of our listeners who who may have served in ministry will, will get some of this. I uh, I run a Minecraft server, so a video game server for uh, my students. And there's there's a couple of kids that were like, we, we're all in for this. And then there's a couple of kids who are like, I'm in it to just wreak havoc. Like no one's allowed to to do the greatness of, of whatever I'm here to destroy everything. And I'm like, Oh gosh, what is going to happen? The problem is the kid who wants to destroy everything and mess with everybody is my boss's grandson. 
And so he instigates everything. And he's like, hey, Jordan, you should do this. Hey, Micah, you should do this. Scott, you should definitely not do that one. And so he started instigating. <laughs> and one of, one of the kids walked in and was like, well, you ticked me off. And then went and blew up his entire, uh, his entire base that he'd been building for two or three months now. And I see this video on uh, on our Discord server. It's uh, just a, a chat room area. And he posts this video of the kid in action. And there's this bickering back and forth. And I'm like, why do I get myself into these situations where I have to mediate children? Oh, wait, that's right. Because I love them. <laughs> and it just it made me laugh because I'm like, you know, when we when we do ministry, a lot of times I feel like if we're not having successful moments, we're just banging our head against walls and doors. And and there's just a lot of things we're just like, why did you do that? Like the yeah. headache that is now there. But but having these conversations and having the fun moments with with these kids, I think, makes it all worth it. Um, and it was just it was so funny because I walked into service today. Um, well, as we record, uh, I walked into service and three of the four kids involved came and approached me about it. And I'm like, guys, it's a video game. This was like over a week ago. Like, why are we, why are we still flipping out about this? Um, but it, it, it's important to them. And I just, I got a, I've got a really good kick out of it. Mm, awesome. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So burnout, let's talk about burnout. Um, so, I think the best way to start this conversation is when we think about the topic of burnout, it's something that I think if you are in ministry, or I think even if you're like working, even if you work a regular job, that there's times where you can probably experience things of dissatisfaction. Uh, you can feel burnout. You can feel just like, you know, uh, like you can just feel kind of very weak or maybe you just kind of feel like you're just drifting through your job or drifting through your ministry. And I think a lot of times um, when we look at burnout, I can remember probably, and maybe Jordan and, and maybe Micah, because I forgot that you were also at Marengo too occasionally, but where Sony kind of grew up at church camp and been at Marengo, I can remember when camp pastors would talk about ministry and everything else, they always would talk about this thing called burnout. And the solution to not having burnout was you, you just gotta you just gotta be strong in your faith. You just gotta cling on to Jesus. You just gotta Buck you know, up. you gotta be in the word, you gotta have a good, healthy prayer life, you gotta do all these things. And if you do all these things, then you will not have burnout. And yet I think just from I think just for me, speaking for my personal ministry, there's times where literally I've had all those things, and yet I still experience burnout. Not to the point where I have just basically said, I'm done with ministry, screw it, I'm done, I'm over. Um, but um, I think that there's something a lot more going on with burnout than just not having a vibrant prayer life. And so I want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of what your thoughts or what were things that you were told about what burnout is, what burnout isn't, and kind of what the solutions were to kind of prevent burnout or even like what causes burnout. Like, so I just wanted to kind of know like what, it, growing up in the church or your experience at the beginning of ministry or going through your training, what was the conversation about burnout for you? And um, Jordan, I'll go ahead and just start with you first. Uh, yeah. So my dad was a youth pastor for my entire life uh, through, through formative years up until I went into ministry myself. We had like a couple years overlap, but that was about it. Um, before he went into senior ministry, and he always talked about just take your me time. You're always going to give so much of yourself, and if you're anything like me, uh, you're Jordan. You're going to be like giving your absolute all to the church. Find time to escape and unplug, and don't let your phone dictate you. Because if you always answer every single phone call and take every single text, like you'll get burned out very, very quickly. Like. 
when you get married and you have kids, you're going to need that. And as I entered ministry, me and Katie were married and I was serving part-time right before we got married uh, as we were engaged. And then uh, we got married and I entered full-time and I've been in full-time. Oh gosh. uh, 2017 was when we entered full-time ministry, but I've been serving since 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's 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 been a while that we've been doing ministry, not as like just volunteers, but just like as the lead. And what I what I've really come to understand is, yes, it's it's extremely important to be in your prayer life. It's extremely important to to have worship time and to read your Bible. But it's also time for you to find a place where you cannot be Jordan, the youth pastor, Jordan the pastor, Jordan, our, our youth leader, or, Hey, I'm, I'm the coordinator for this or whatever your title is. Like you find where you are and where you are with God, because if your whole identity gets wrapped up in that, you're going to get burned out really, really quick. And that was one of the hardest lessons I learned, especially when we moved out here to Oklahoma. I had, um, I'd came off a, a pretty hard, uh, situation when I was, when I was out in Ohio and, um, kind of some church hurt and, and burnout a little bit. And I, I walked in and just got to this place here in Oklahoma and just have, have really thrived. And when I started though, I had a, I had a point to prove, man, I'm, I'm going to be the best youth pastor this church has ever seen. Oh yeah. <laughs> later, to, later, to, later to find out that the senior pastor was the youth pastor here in the eighties. So I'll never live up to that one. Um, but it, it was just, just having that, that mentality of, I, I'm going to be the bee's knees, the cat's meow. Like I'm going to do this and I don't have to, like, I just need to be me. I just need to be the best that I can be. And, and that's what I had to learn over the past. I've been here two and a half years now. Um, and it's, it's been a great ride and, and having to learn that to not burn yourself out, to, to make the time for your family, especially when, when kids are little, you don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. And, and, and you bring up a good point. Like, then I want to ask a question before I say my point. Uh, at your, the last place you served in ministry before you got to Oklahoma, were you feeling burnout there before you left that position so, and took? So, uh, yeah, that, that's a great question, Scott, because the reality is I don't know. I've, I've thought mm-hmm. about that for a while, and I don't really know if I was burned out or if I was just hurt. Because part of our story, and I won't get into too much detail, um, but part of our story is that God started to move me in December, and we left in February, end of February. So, like, I started feeling the inklings to move, and and things started getting placed um, even in February. And I didn't even get here until till uh, June. By the time that that I went through candidating and all that um, here in Oklahoma, but with with that process, I had to to really figure out kind of, okay, am, am I hurting? Am I not? Is this an exciting time? Am I not? Uh, yeah. Or is it, is it not? Like there was just so much going on. But I think for me, I think I was just really hurt um, yeah, by well, the actions. And, yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm curious, like would, would, and I guess this is something to really, I mean, we not necessarily the debate right now, but does hurt kind of fit in that burnout category? I mean, because I'm thinking like, you know, if ministry, if you're doing ministry and you have these really this season where things are just rocking the boat and you're just feeling hurt, you're feeling, you know, a lot of emotions, a lot of things happening, a lot of woundedness happening, you know, would hurt kind of go into burnout? Are, Are those like kind of like, are those like distant cousins or are they kind of like, you know, those little like, closer than we like or to believe. Frenemies, or maybe they're frenemies, you know, they're close, but they don't like each other. So, I mean, that's, that's something to really, really ponder about, you know, is like experiencing hurt within a church and especially as a, as a church leader, you know, is that also considered a sexual, a part of burnout? So, so no, good thoughts. Uh, Michael, what about you? So I, I would say a couple of things. I mean, I always have a lot to say. I think that's why you have me on your show all the time. But um, <laughs> I think that, like, I think Jordan brings up a lot of great points about hurt. And Scott, you bring a lot of great points about hurt. And I kind of want to, like, do a couple of different things or, like, 
you know, divided up into a couple of different spaces. But like when you talked about Marengo Scott and, you know, tough it out and you just got to have a better prayer life. I don't think that's just a camp thing. I think that's a generational thing. I think that like our dads and grandfathers who have been in ministry um, and the three guys that are sitting around this table virtually right now, like we grew up in the church, so to speak, quote unquote, grew up in the church of God. And it, it was just beaten into our brains that like, well, maybe you're going through a tough time. Well, you need to pray more. Maybe you need to read your Bible more. Maybe you need to come to church more. We, you know, we offer Sunday night and Wednesday night services. Like maybe you should be here more. That doesn't, I don't think that like, yes, prayer is important. Yes. Worship's important. Yes. Community is important. Yes. Being a part of your church family is important, but like the struggles and things that you deal with, on a personal level, those folks aren't always going to be there, whether it's your pastor, whether it's your peers at church, whether it's the people that you do life with in community groups and life groups, it's there, there's those moments, you know, where you're on your own and you're not always with your spouse or you're not with your friends or I don't know Jordan, you and I and Scott, like we talk on a fairly regular basis and Jordan calls me every day and I, I, when he doesn't call me, I wonder if something's wrong. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it's just, it's just that closeness that we all have. Yeah. But like, it, mm-hmm. but I think that part of the closeness comes from us going through some of the stuff that we went through. Shared um, life experience. And I shared, you know, towards the end of last year about my journey with, with some anxiety and, and coming down with anxiety, like pretty severely. And it's, I think a lot of that has to do with burnout and church hurt. And even though I haven't actively served in ministry in over a year at a church, some of that stuff is still there. And some of that stuff I'm still dealing with. And some of that Mm -hmm. stuff I'm still working through in therapy. And some of that stuff I'm still, you know, dealing with on a daily basis and kind of have to coach myself through the fact that like, you know what? It's like Jordan said, it's okay to say no. It's okay not to answer your phone. It's okay not to respond to a text. It's okay to leave your phone upstairs in your room. It's okay to, um, and that was, that was my biggest thing. I think early on in ministry was like, I was so afraid that another opportunity wouldn't present itself that I wasn't going to get one. If I kept just, if I said no, Mm, um yeah and so i was just i remember being this young eager worship pastor worship leader kid and i was like sure i'll lead worship for young adult service sure i'll lead worship for youth ministry sure i'll lead worship on wednesday night and sunday morning and sunday night and spend all day at the church on sundays and oh by the way go to seminary and 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 take care of my grandparents and uh sure i'll do this and go through ordination and, and go through grad school and i just had to get to the point where i was like you know what it's okay to say no. It's okay to, um, you know, and I've been in therapy for almost two years now and my therapist, you know, talks a lot of time about boundaries and how healthy boundaries are and setting up those boundaries. And, you know, the way that she kind of describes them to me is that like, we set up boundaries initially. It doesn't mean the boundaries have to stay the same way all the time but at least we have those boundaries in place. And if we want to like make adjustments, right. So like if we want to modify them as we go and maybe we want to do a little bit more during the season of our life, mm-hmm. cause we know we're going to be busy, but then we can go back and put that back in place once we're done with that busy season. It's just, I, you know, going back to it, I think that like the generational thing being in respect to, you got to pray more and you got to read your Bible more. I mean, like, I think it's just a mindset of like, almost foolishness Mm. to a degree like and and i'm not trying to insult the generation before us but like it just feels like and i'm not saying you know the three of us sitting around this this call right now have all struggled with some sort of mental illness whether it's anxiety depression whatever you want to call it we shared it on various shows and podcasts and um, we did it on nerd talk with the whole moon night thing we you've had family members Mm -hmm. like last fall you guys, I, I just, 
I don't know what happened and I'm still trying to figure it out. But there was a period of time where I didn't want to leave my house because I was so I had such bad anxiety that I couldn't get in the car and I couldn't leave my house. Yeah. And it was crippling. And so when somebody says, oh, you're just letting the devil win and you just need to go to church. I'm like, well, you don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know how I feel like physically to the point where like I'm shaking and convulsing and I can't get in my car to go to work, let alone go to church or go to the coffee shop. Like I just want to stay home and I don't want to do anything. And like by the grace of God, therapy and medicine, I have, I'm not a hundred percent better, but I'm getting there. But I think all that to say, I feel like I'm on this huge tangent at this point, but I think that like this may very well be a result of a longer issue in my life as it results of church hurt and church burnout and the scars and the woundedness of ministry that, that nobody wants to talk about, but they happen. Um, and you two are brothers and you're my brothers and we went through some stuff together and apart. And it's like, I'm here to tell you it's real life. That stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and you bring up a lot of good points because, you know, and I, and I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, you mentioned like the older generation and kind of, well, just go to church, just pray, just read your Bible. You know, people who are teaching me at church camp. Hey, and do you, and do you church- think before you go, Scott, do you yeah. think that that, and when I say generational thing, do you, I don't think that the generation that is kind of lecturing us has had to deal with some of the stuff that we've had to deal with. Uh, and I'm I'm going to get to that because I have some and, and I, like, statistics. I, <laughs> well, I, I watched a video on TikTok the other day about something, and it was like, uh, "Tell me your millennial with millennial trauma without telling me your millennial with millennial trauma." And it talks about like nine eleven, living through nine eleven. It talks about living through Columbine. It talks about you know going through the recession in 08. It talks about the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and you seeing all these things in the age and evolution of technology and the internet and like going to college and having student loans. And it's like, no wonder we're so messed up. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so there's an article that was, and now I have this, I have a subscription to uh, the Barna group because I've, for all my doctorate stuff, I have all this research to look at stuff for my project. And I just happened to just kind of typed in something. And there's this article from March of last year. And the title of this this article says, why are pastors burning out personally and collectively? So what it's tackling at is they're seeing a trend where not only are we seeing pastors, you know, individually going through this time of burnout, but they're even seeing just pastors collectively, like across the board, like they're all starting to hit the same wavelengths and patterns of burnout. So I, I want to kind of bring up some, I'm, I'm not going to bore you, but just some statistics. So they did this survey back in 2015. And in 2015, when they looked at pastorials risk for burnout, 63% of pastors said they had a low risk. Um, 26% was a medium risk and 11% was a high risk. And it's based on a lot of different data and information that they focused on. Then, then the last time they did this survey was in 2022 and the low risk went from 63% to 23%. Medium risk went from 26% to 37%. And the high risk went from 11% to 40% as far as burnout, pastoral burnout oh, rate. Crap. Now, listen to this. Here's, here's what's interesting. When you look at pastoral burnout, 51% burnout female ministers. When you look at those who are under 45, it's 50%. Those who are over the age of 45, it drops down to 36%. Uh, 69% who are in that high-risk group has considered quitting, and 21% has not considered quitting who are in that high-risk category. Now, the female minister thing, I, I totally get, mainly because I think in ministry, it's even, even, in, minist- even in denominations where they – acknowledge and they affirm uh, women as church leaders. I still feel like that even though they acknowledge that, I still feel like women have to work a lot harder to be 
respected or to even get any type of like upper leadership positions, um, whether that is true within a denomination or whether that's just a mindset, like just recently, actually just today scrolling through Facebook, one of my, one of my friends who's a minister, she's been out sick and she's even talking about, Hey, 2024, I have to really set on boundaries because she's someone who's goes, 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 goes. And I think a lot of that may be her personality, but I want to know if a lot of that too is I'm a female and I've also been called to be a pastor. And sometimes there has been opposition due to my sex and my calling to serve. So I think that there is, um, now they kind of broke it down by asking questions. And here's where I think, Micah, your your comment rings true. So when you're looking, and I'm, it, they jumbled around, but I'm going to look at those who are in the high risk category. So out of all the church leaders, and this is pastors and even those who are not pastors who are church leaders, 81% say that the risk of their burnout was because of average, below average, or poor mental and emotional health. 74% has suffered from depression sometime during their ministry. 66% frequently feel emotionally or mentally exhausted. 65% tenure at their current church has been a disappointment. Uh, 52% tenure at their current church does not increase their passion for ministry. And then if we want to continue to go down, like 33% less confident in the call today than when they began ministry. Um, feel, um, yeah, and that's pretty much a majority of it. But then when you look at low risk, those who are in the low risk category, when you, they're asking these questions, it's all 0%. Like all the people who have answered this question has either been in a medium risk or has fallen in medium risk or high risk category. Um, and then they even kind of mentioned that, you know, one of the main reasons that they're seeing on a systematic level of pastors is that a lot of it is because we are living in a culture where culture is changing so rapidly. And a lot of that is because the culture is changing rapidly, but the church expectation of their pastors has not changed with the culture. Mm. So as the demand, so basically it feels like the demand for the pastor to do more and more and more and church leaders to do more and more and more. Just getting higher and higher. The church, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher, but then the church's expectation continues to go higher, which is now causing that. Also, they say that, and Barna's suggesting to reduce this, is to change the church's expectation, to provide a more support systems, and even retooling the entire leadership structure of a church. Wow. And I think, I mean, because of how quickly the culture is going, and it even says that trends that can be identified are more fixable. And they say that, you know, if we can understand the times and know what to do, and this is kind of like paraphrasing First Chronicles uh, 1232, it might be possible that the U.S. pastor best days are still ahead of us. But I think, I mean, so when I think about pastoral burnout, I think... I mean, I think that this data is shocking to an degree, but it goes back to the whole thing. It's not about praying more. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's not about going to church more. Like, obviously, if there's something going on with your mind, mental health, and whether that's just kind of stuff that's been happening through family or maybe some type of trauma you may have dealt with, or even if it's just because that unrealistic expectation that your congregation has for the pastor that's causing a lot of this mental exhaustion, then yeah, I can see why a lot of people, and I think maybe the big thing too is, again, all these people who fit in this category are under 45. And I think there's that mentality within church culture that if you are a young pastor, that you are going to be the kind of the, the golden child to really transform the church and get the church kind of back on track. But if you're over 45 and you're kind of towards your retirement years, you're just more like, well, this is a pastor that's just going to continue to love and care for us. So I don't think the expectation for the pastor to kind of flip or turn things around, I don't think that level of expectation is on an is older there? pastor than it is with a younger pastor. Well, um, they're going to ride. Well, I think you're right. 
I think they ride the status quo and they just ride it out to retirement and just don't rock the boat. And like the sad reality is it's either the church or the pastor that goes first. And it's like, what I mean by that is that like, okay, the pastor's not going to rock the boat and make people happy, but then people are going to get tired of the church not moving forward and they're going to leave. And then the church is going to die as a result. Yeah. And, and I think, and I mean, and I think the problem, yeah. So I think there's that there's definitely a lot of that. Um, and the other thing that I think is so fascinating about this is I think it's also a change of mentality for those of us who are pastors, because I think, you know, growing up at, you know, again, growing up, I had an older generation of pastors who were praying for me, that were encouraging me in ministry, that were giving me advice. And I think that advice is still warranted. I think it's still good. Like, I mean, yeah. I think it's good. Like Jordan, you said your dad said, you know, make sure you have your me time because the church people are ministry is going to take up so much of your time that you need to have time for your family. So you have to have those boundaries. And yeah, I think that advice is still good. I think the, what ends up happening, or at least, and I'll just speak for myself. I think what happens is, is when there's something that's going on at the church or with the church member, then the pastor has to, at least if you're the lead pastor, you have to drop everything and do it. Because if you do not, then there's going to be a consequence. So it's like, oh, I want to make sure I have my family time. But if I don't drop this and take this phone call, because I know this person's been struggling with a lot of health issues, and this could be very important, then if I don't take this call, am I going to have to have a meeting with the board of elders the next week? So there is, so I think as far as the lead pastor there, or even like any type of those who are like do any type of like pastoral care, like that's a huge thing. So it's not like, oh, I'm actually going to now make sure I spend time with my family. Like I still feel bad. Like one of my first, I remember my first past, one of my first past time pastoring, like my first year of pastoring at a church, me and Laura and Peter, we decided to go take Laura out for her birthday we went to a cavern and we just kind of had a fun time at a cavern. And while I'm in the cave, um, someone was calling me. A church member was trying to get a hold of me and couldn't get a hold of me because I had no signal in the cave because um, someone passed away. Now, granted, they kind of knew that, oh, I was celebrating Laura's birthday. I was out. So they understood why they couldn't reach me. But I mean, I still felt bad about that, that I was not there to take that phone call. Once I got the phone call, and once I finally they were able to get a hold of me, I said, okay, we drove back. I dropped Laura and Peter off. And then I immediately went over to um, the person's house who just lost her husband and sat with them and talked with them. And, and again, profusely apologized. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was in, I was in the cave, you know, but it's stuff like that where, you know, as a pastor, you feel like, oh, I just failed. And oh no, is something bad going to happen? So there is a bit of anxiety and, um, there's one thing, and I don't know what you guys feel about this quote, but um, I saw this quote where someone was talking about burnout, and they said, what can what can I do? Like someone was making a plea. What can I do to kind of help avoid burnout? And someone says, make sure that ministry – remember that ministry is something – is a thing you do, not the thing you do. Yeah. And I think one of the – and I guess kind of how I interpret that is – you know, yeah, maybe when you're a pastor and you're getting a salary and you're doing ministry, you know, it almost feels like, well, ministry is the thing I do because it's basically what I'm using to provide for my family and also trying to make impacts in people's lives for the kingdom of God. Uh, but for someone who may be a volunteer or someone who may be taking a leadership position and not getting paid, um, I think it, it can go either way that we have to remember that ministry is a thing. And out of every aspect of your life, from your physical health to your family health, to your social health, to your mental health, to your spiritual health, ministry cannot be the thing that controls all of that. Because it's not because I think a lot of times, even though it's church and it's tied in with Christianity, it's tied in with the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christianity, we have to remember that even Jesus had to set boundaries and take time to rest. Jesus had to take time. I mean, and even not necessarily he, him praying with the Father, but hey, Jesus was even sleeping in the boat. 
Jesus was tired. And then all of a sudden, it's like the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we're going to drown. The sea's getting wild. And I think there's times where, you know, even though we only see a fraction of Jesus's ministry in his adulthood, I mean, there's probably lots of times where Jesus just basically said, hey, we're in this town. We're going to just sit here for a couple of days, do some ministry, but we're also going to sit here and relax, just enjoy life, break some bread, have some meals, have some nice friendly fireside chats. Um, and I think when it comes to the idea of pastoral burnout, um, you know, it, it is, it's about boundaries and it's about making sure that you take, um, you have to almost kind of put your own health and kind of put that in a huge perspective and make that a priority um, besides you putting the church or the mission as your priority, even if you're paid or an unpaid um, leader at the church. Does does this does any of this make sense? Do you guys agree or disagree with me on I know I've been rambling a bunch, but what do you guys think? Well, I think that like, you know, we did it. The three is ironic because the three of us did an episode about being pastor's kids. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I shared was that like, I, I was very resentful of my dad as a kid because he didn't set boundaries and mm -hmm. not boundaries with his kids, but boundaries with his job because the, the church, like even to this day, he's just so wrapped up in the church and what board he can sit on and what steering committee he can be on and whatever. Right. And so like, it, I think there's a lot of health in setting boundaries and having church folks respect those boundaries. And if they don't, then that's, that's on them. Cause like there, there has to be like a hard, like, Yes, there are emergencies. Yes, there there are times when um, people get you know into car accidents or somebody's fatally killed or you name it the, the the circumstance. Like yes, and and hopefully it's not going to be all the time, but there are those circumstances. But outside of those special circumstances, I don't think that it's fair i don't think that it's right i don't think that it's okay that everybody thinks everybody in the church thinks that you as a pastor should just drop at their beck and call that's not healthy that's not okay for me that's a struggle because it's like okay i have office hours between these hours and these hours i work at the church this day this day this day this day this day i'm off on this day and this day i'm there on sunday if you want an appointment you want to grab coffee you want to grab lunch you want to, you know, grab dinner with my family or my spouse and your spouse. Let's do that. Let's get it on the calendar. But respect those boundaries unless it's an emergency. And so I guess that's my thought. I mean, mm -hmm. Jordan, do, what what do you think? Jordan? We, we talked a lot. I think you guys nailed it, to be honest. It's the church. And, and here's the thing that the church doesn't understand. We're just as human as they are. Yes. We need we need that. There are so many times where the church itself and, and the church being the, the body of believers that, that we serve. Yes, we should serve them with everything that we can. But there's a limitation and we're going to need moments where I, I love this analogy of just the cup. How much do I have in my cup? What can I give you from my cup? But when am I at a point that I'm just giving you you drips or I'm just giving you air? Like there's literally nothing else there. Like when when am I getting my cup filled? And I think that's one yeah. of the the biggest things that we have to figure out is like my dad always was hunting growing up. That was that was what filled his cup. Now it's um he's he's getting a little bit more mellow and he loves to spend time with his kids. Um, especially now that they're they moved uh closer to both me and my brother and um like at Christmas, that was what he did. He just wanted to spend time with his kids and his grandkids and like Typically, there's a phone call that just stops us and it's he's got to do something or he's always talking about work. I didn't I don't remember hearing anything in the two days that we were with him about the church unless I asked like it was it was me prodding instead of him saying it. And that was something that really blessed me. And as I'm in ministry, as I'm approaching 30 in the next year, um, like what what does that look like for me? I always I always kind of look at how did my dad do things and then how am I doing it? And, and I, I saw him in his, his later years, his prime. 
um, in the, like, I didn't see his, his struggles in the first few years of ministry and his first 10 even. And so I don't remember some of those, those heartaches and things like that of, man, I don't get to spend time with my kids. And there was a, a conversation we had where he's like, I missed out on a few things. Your mom raised you guys. And that's something that I think our generation specifically doesn't want to do. We are very involved in the kids' lives. Um, like there, there was a, a video I saw not long ago, and it, it showed how the dads <clears throat> of this generation are more involved because they're taking the mentality of, I want to be the person I needed growing up. Hmm. And it's like the church doesn't always understand because historically how, how, okay, Micah, being pastor's kids, how often was your dad around growing up? He wasn't. And, and that's, that's not trying to bash your dad. That, that's not what I'm going at. It's a the church needed him. And that's yeah. how the, the, the reality of their generation where our generation is focusing on, I need to make sure that I'm good. You and I are both in counseling. I don't know about Scott. Um, but Scott does counseling and things like that. Scott probably needs through. counseling listening to the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to a counselor for all the counseling I'm doing for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like for me, I, I started counseling um, and it's something that my, my work is blessing me with. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that I'm can, I can do, but they also have this understanding and the church understands, and especially my youth team, they really understand this that I can't do good for you if I'm not doing well myself. And I think that's one of the big things that, that people going through burnout and going through those situations. Like I remember having a conversation at uh, my first full-time church in Ohio. And I, I talked with my team that I was putting together and I said, I want to put you guys on this team. I want you guys to help because I don't want to be burned out. The guy who was one of the guys on the team, his dad was a board member. And he went to the board member, his father, and said, so Jordan's already feeling burnout. I was there not even six months. And <laughs> like completely took it out of out of out of line with it. And and he didn't he you you hear what you want to hear. And that's the thing. Like our people don't understand because like I'm trying to protect myself. I'm trying to protect my wife. I'm trying to protect our ministry. I'm trying to church, protect our church. Like there's so many layers that like I have to always be thinking about as a minister. And it's like, I can't just walk in and say, all right, Scott, you got this and leave. Like that would, that would look poor on my part if I just got burned out or I, I was struggling mentally. Like I am always talking about my mental health with my team anymore because I want them to know where I'm sitting. Uh, like we had, we had a big event coming up and, and I told them I'm not doing well and I'm, I'm looking at counseling and they were like, okay, like go do it. And, and we got your back on this one. And they, they ran it for me. And, and they helped carry a lot of the weight. And now they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing better. And it's because I'm, I'm very focused on my family needs me because I'm the sole provider for, for finances. And so I need to be at a job, but also I love what I do. And I don't want to, don't want to be in a spot where I look at this as a job and not a passionate thing that, that I absolutely love doing. And I think that's that's the thing that that our generation I think is starting to understand and get right in a lot of areas. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think too that like I got to the point where I, you know, I've shared this on this podcast, but like at the last ministry assignment that I had, I was just going through so many different things: school, church hurt, being a graduate student again, uh, you know, various things. And something had to give. And yeah. it was like, I, you know, I, I tell this when I share my story all the time with people, like I, I'm, you know, I got to the point where I was at the church seven days a week, whether it was like, I, like my wife and my marriage are more, I felt very convicted at one point. I was like, my wife and my marriage is more important than this church. And God's not going to judge me based on, in fact, God's going to appreciate the fact that I took time for my spouse and making time for her rather than being so burnt out and cranky that I couldn't function, right? And so it's – there's a lot of lessons, and I think our generation is learning the lessons that the generation before us didn't. Hmm. So – Scott, so, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so the kind of, we know we talked a little bit about boundaries. So I think just to kind of appropriately kind of end this show, what's one boundary that you guys 
do or would recommend to kind of help those who are in ministry. So I'll so I'll go first with mine because this was something I heard. Um, and this was a pastor, I think it was on a podcast, but this is a pastor who um oh it was um John Mark Comer, the guy who wrote um a bunch of different books. He ended up like taking a sabbatical from his church and someone else has taken it. Now he's kind of doing other things, but he was talking about like when he came back from his sabbatical or when he started coming back after he kind of felt burned out, the one thing he did to kind of ease himself back into ministry is he basically said, okay, today, these are the things that I want to accomplish today. So he made a list, um, whether it was for that day or for that week. And what he would do is if it was for the day, once he got that thing list done, so let's say if he had 10 items and he said, just keep it at 10. These are 10 things I want to get tried to accomplish today. When he got those 10 things done, it didn't matter if he worked a full eight hours or not. Once those 10 things were done, he just went home. And he mm. just went home and relaxed. And that was his thing. Now, he said sometimes, you know, there'd be times where those 10 things may take the full eight hours. Sometimes they may go a little, sometimes he may say, okay, I have to add that onto the next day's list. But that was his way of kind of easing back into ministry. And I kind of, similarly, I kind of do the same thing. Um, not, not too much anymore, but I kind of broke down. I started doing that first. And then what I broke down is I said, since I'm the family minister, so I oversee children and youth, I broke down my day. So like a Monday is my Children's ministry day, I do all my children's ministry responsibilities. I do that all Monday. That means sending out lesson plans to my volunteers, figuring out if we're going to do a game, a craft, or a snack that month, uh, that that Sunday, um, any kind of planning stuff for the future. All that is done that day. Next day is all my youth ministry stuff. The next day is all my administrative tasks, all the things I have to do. And then the other stuff is just kind of like, you know, responding to emails, checking, or even just kind of doing like future planning on other things. Or maybe it's more of just doing more community stuff, like continue to see what the preschool needs to, needs to kind of continue to build that reputation, see what good ways I can impact the local public schools or do any of those things. So I kind of break it down on those four work days um, during the weekday, and then I have my sabbatical day. And then, of course, Sunday, I'm pretty much at the church all day Sunday. So. <laughs> Because that's just what works for me. So I think, um, you know, so I think that's kind of the big advice for me is, you know, when you start your day or even when you leave the office, okay, here's the 10 things I want to do tomorrow. When you get in the office, you go, if you get those 10 things done, guess what? You're, you're done. Going and then home. maybe, yep. and then maybe, and then, and then the, there's, there is that temptation where if I'm home, and let's say I'm making lunch or if I get everything done before lunch, it's like, hey, I have the whole, I have a couple hours before I have to pick up my kids so I can kind of have me time. Then there might be that time. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I need to do this. Or, oh, I, have to, I forgot. I have to email this person. I have to do that. Write it down. Make it a priority of something you need to do tomorrow. Take that time for you. And I think that's something that you can do if you're just kind of easing back into ministry, if you're especially in that time of transition. I also would say – even if you're starting to feel that tension or maybe starting to feel some of that burnout where you're starting to feel unmotivated, then slow down and kind of pace yourself and like just and maybe do 10 things or maybe just do five things and like, okay, I did these five things. I'm done for today. I did six things, seven things, and then work your way and just kind of do that until you start to kind of get into a good rhythm. And then, you know, if you feel like you need to do like 30 things in a day, then, you know, God bless you. But um, that's something that I learned from John Mark Comer. And I think that I think has been very helpful just the way I've kind of, you know, when I started out doing ministry and then even kind of now that I'm kind of in my sophomore year of this new ministry ventures that I am just kind of trying to stay strong and kind of staying, you know, healthy in all aspects of life. So, Jordan, what's what's a what's a piece of advice that you would give to those who are listening? Uh, you know, I, for just the mental health side of it, figure out what you like to do. Don't get lost in your, in your job. Um, I love, I love the idea of what you just said, but I also want to say that, you know, like sometimes you may just need to take a day off and just go do what you love to do. 
and you might just need a day to yourself, um, whether you're married or engaged or dating or you're single, whatever, whatever your status is, sometimes you just need a day to yourself. And I know that's really hard. Um, I've got a kid and a, he's, he's four and, and a wife and we've been together uh, oh, 10 years. Um, and, and I understand that they need me, but there's moments where I can't do better for them because I can't do better for myself. And if I'm not in a good place, like I am a huge Lego guy. Um, when I moved to Oklahoma, like that was one of the things that I made a priority was, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to find something I really like to do. And, um, I had like two or three things and then I narrowed it down in the past year and, um, down to really one big thing. And I was like, all right, this is where I'm going to spend my time. So like I get my kid to bed and, um, unless I've got something else going on that night that Katie and I are talking about, like. I sometimes just take a few minutes and just go hang out in my one of our spare bedrooms. I've got a bunch of Lego. You guys can kind of see it in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just I love doing things like that. And so um, it doesn't have to be Lego. Find your niche. Just whatever it is that like lets you not be the ministry leader um, where you where you aren't full time pastor, where you're not full time, whatever uh, position it is. It's just a way for you to just get your mind off something fine. Like for me, creativity is a huge thing. And so um, that's why I do Legos because I can be as creative as I want with it. Um, so. All right, Micah, and what about you? What's some. Well, before I get to that, I mean, Jordan could have done a shameless plug for nerd talk. And I mean, like and how <laughs> the, the inception of burnout from ministry and the herd of ministry got him into doing nerd talk with Jordan Halstead and, 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 and bringing me along and. You didn't do it. So clearly Legos are more important. (laughs) Nope, sorry. It's in the You only get one chance. (laughs) And you Um, blew it. You did. You blew it. But if you're listening, check out Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. I promise you I like the show. (laughs) We are on all platforms. We cover everything nerd. Shameless plug. No, I... um, as somebody who's had, you know, shared multiple times that I've worn hats in both ministry and higher education, and it, both have been rewarding at times, both have been stressful at times. Um, but one of the coolest things that I get to do working in higher education is I get to work with my wife. I don't work in the same office with her. I don't work in the same building as her. Like, I drop her off in the morning in her building. And then I drive to my building and we're on completely opposite sides of campus and we don't see each other except for at lunch. And at the end of the day, now, one of the coolest things that we get to do, and we learned this, I think early on, because when I first started at Miami, I worked in a job that I just, I hated, I hated working. I hated going to work every day, but it was a paycheck and it was health insurance. And the church I was working at at the time didn't offer that. And it was a part-time job. So I had to take what I could get. Right. And so I was working in, in higher ed and I hated it. Ended up getting into another role and I really, really loved it, but it was a high stressful job because we dealt with conduct and sexual mm. assault and domestic violence Ooh. and things like that. Yeah. But in that second job was where I learned this trick. Right. So Alicia and I, this is another thing I like about higher ed is that we work the same hours every day. Right. We work eight to five, Monday through Friday, seven 30 to four 30, Monday through Friday in the summers. We don't work weekends. We get paid holidays. All those wonderful things that we don't get in ministry, right? But the cool thing that we realized more towards the second job that I took at Miami when I was dealing with, like I said, conduct and sexual assault, Title IX, all those things, was that 5 o'clock would happen, and we have about a 20-minute car ride to work. And we would get in the car, and we would – I don't want to say a bad word. We would – gripe and complain and pitch a fit and cry and you know like really decompress decompress is the right word for this Mm. care about our days right what was great what was bad who made us mad what pissed us off all those things right but as soon as we hit the garage door at our house we turned it off and so that was our rule we could say whatever we wanted from the time we got into the car the time we got into our house and then we turned it off and then we were able to go exercise, have dinner together, do the married thing and like enjoy our marriage. Because I got to a point where I was just complaining and I was taking it into the house with me, hmm. if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then when COVID happened and we were working from home, we kind of did the same thing, but we shut the doors to the rooms that we were working in at the end of each day because we we left our junk in there. Yeah. Right. Do you guys get that illustration? So it's like yeah. we just decompressing is very important. Not like you're dumping it. Jordan used the illustration of a cup earlier. Not that you're dumping it all over your spouse, but you're sharing about it in a healthy way and leaving it at that. And then you're able to move on and it's just a healthy way of dealing with the things that you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just the kind of, and and just the last thing is if you're experiencing burnout, if you're experiencing mental fatigue, the one thing I would recommend is go talk to somebody and not just like, you know, if you want to have, you have like, you want to talk to your wife or talk to another trusted pastor colleague, that's good. But I would even suggest, you know, talk to a counselor. That's going to, especially if you're at a point where you're like some of these, uh, I used to say, like, man, I'm considering leaving the ministry. I'm considering, you know, leaving the ministry for good and, you know, seeing it in my rear view mirror. Like, you know, make sure you do talk to a counselor and talk to somebody and really make sure you have that, you know, because maybe there's some stuff in there. Maybe there's some things that you're holding on to that you thought ministry was going to be or what it wasn't going to be that you're kind of, Hold on to maybe there's these unreal expectations you have for yourself that you're putting on yourself in ministry and that you have to kind of dismantle before you can kind of repair. So, friends, that's going to be it us for the Scott Cement Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to go ahead and send it to um, share it to give us a five star rating and share it with friends. Um, and also uh, there's information in the um show notes on how you can kind of sponsor the show and even get a nice producer credit at the end of the show, which apparently I'm going to start doing. I don't know if I'll get around to it, but it will be there. So uh, friends, thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week.